It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It is episode nine of This Week in Fantasy as we head into the week four slate of the NFL season. Hard to believe that we are almost a quarter of the way through this season, uh, especially after all the time spent, uh, you know, planning and researching and all that. Now we are really getting into the crux of it. Um, I am going to speak with Sigmund Bloom in just a little bit. I spoke with him a few days ago. We will get his thoughts on more injuries, as it seems that injuries, as always, it seems every year there are more injuries than the last, and this year is no exception. So uh, we'll get into Sigmund with some of those injury situations and some of the other things going on around the league. I didn't get a chance to talk to him before the Josh Gordon news came out, so I'll touch on that real quick and then run down this week's slate before we get to Sigmund. Um, Obviously, Josh Gordon, it it did appear that he was going to be back for week five, uh, but he has since turned himself into a rehab facility to get help. Uh, Obviously, the right move for Josh happy that he is, uh, you know, taking the accountability and saying, I need to get better. That is the most important thing by far. Uh, as far as a fantasy impact, my guess is that you will not see Josh Gordon on a field this season. If you do, I don't know what you can expect from him. Obviously, uh, again, this is more important life-wise and all that. So I would not expect football to come first for Gordon right now, nor should it. Uh, as a result, in any season-long leagues, I would certainly feel fine dropping him. Um, and, and of course, you know, if you're in a keeper league, it might be worth hanging on to. But uh, I've said it before; I'll say it again. It, it as sad as it seems, especially for someone who is so immensely talented, I have a hard time believing that Josh Gordon is ever going to make any sort of real impact in the NFL due to all his issues. All right, uh, let's jump through uh, this slate that we have this week. It starts early, so don't forget to get your lineups in early 
9.30 start in London this week. So, uh, again, make sure you get your lineups in early. You don't want to forget about it and miss out on, on a game that could have some points as we've got two bad defenses playing here. Uh, this could be the end of the Gus bus, folks. It would not shock me at all if the Jags lose this game, if they decide to leave Gus over there in London. Last year, Jim, Joe Philbin left in London, leading to the... Uh, underrated Dan Campbell era in Miami and uh, of course the year before or two years before Dennis Allen was left in London so it is not a surprise when a coach whose team is struggling gets left there Uh, obviously we usually do see coaching changes during the season prior to a bye week and obviously if the teams go over to London they have a bye week that next week so must win game for the Jags in my opinion Uh, as far as fantasy impact goes you gotta like the Colts over there especially the passing game Luck, Hilton, not as high on Dorsett. Uh, I think that Hilton is going to continue to be his go-to asset in the passing game. Obviously, I also think Jack Doyle and Dwayne Allen will play a role, but Luck, Hilton, and Frank Gore are really the three plays on that side of the ball that I'm interested in in this week. Then on the Jackson side of the ball, uh, excuse me, the Jacksonville side of the ball, uh, you have to, I mean, Allen Robinson got the two touchdowns last week. You don't like the matchup with Vontae Davis, but Davis has not looked like himself or like the old Vontae Davis, at least so far since returning from the injury. So I don't hate the Allen Robinson play this week. Allen Hearns, though, probably the more exciting play, at least in terms of value. Hearns' history against Indy is really good. And, uh, you know, you have to assume that the guy going up against the rest of that secondary, the non-Vontae Davis part, is going to get a lot of opportunities. One Injury to keep an eye on here. Julius Thomas is a game-time decision. If he does play, I like Thomas a lot against this bad Colts pass defense. All right, Tennessee in Houston as we stick with the AFC South. Easily the worst division in football. I think uh, anyone who who talks about how bad the NFC East is, you always have to step back and think about those teams in the AFC South because it is atrocious. Uh, So Tennessee in Houston, a a big game for the division, obviously, because I I could see this division coming down to 8-8, and 9-7, especially with J.J. Watt on the shelf for likely the rest of the season. Uh, this this has all the feel of uh, of the least exciting fantasy game you could possibly have. You're starting DeAndre Hopkins. You're starting Lamar Miller. Outside of that, not a lot of names to like in this one. Will Fuller, probably a decent start as well. That Titans D, not necessarily gangbusters, but is improving. And, of course, the Houston D is still really good without J.J. Watt. Don't think that it's going to completely drop off, but the Watt loss is huge. DeMarco Murray has a pretty nice matchup against this Houston D. They've struggled against the run so far this season, but outside of those guys, this feels like a low-scoring defensive type of game, so not a lot of fantasy action that I love in this one. Conversely, we've got two more bad teams in Washington as as uh, the Cleveland Browns head into town, and, and despite two awful teams... Uh, also two awful defenses, so I do feel a little bullish about the fantasy prospects of this game. You have to like Cousins in that passing attack. Jamison Crowder is a, a great under-the-radar name, especially in DFS. Leads the team in targets, leads the team in red zone targets, uh, and, and clearly has a chemistry there with Cousins. Cousins, for his own part, uh, I don't think he's a very good real-life quarterback, but as far as fantasy goes, he's a pretty nice play, again, especially in DFS for that cheap price, but... Cousins has to be a top 10 guy this week. Uh, You know, (laughs) Cleveland has just let everyone pass 
all over them, and I don't see this being any different this week. Cousins, again, not a great quarterback, but the volume will be there uh, for sure. So I think ultimately between playing an awful pass defense and the volume he'll put up, Cousins going to end up putting some nice numbers up this week. On the flip side of the ball, I actually like a couple of Browns, which is weird too, that Washington defense is not good. So uh, Terrell Pryor is, is obviously the most interesting play on that Brown side of the ball. The new slash, as it were, uh, does have a lot of value, obviously, not just as a receiver, which it, and we'll talk about this with Sigmund Bloom, but it looks like he's a legit, legit receiver from a talent perspective. And then, of course, all the added bonus points you're going to get from him running the ball out of the quarterback set or, or perhaps throwing it. So there's a lot of potential value there for Terrell Pryor. Again, a DFS, uh, a terrific play for the price in DFS. Uh, and also like Isaiah Crowell here, Washington has been bad against the run as well. Crowell has looked quite solid and is clearly the guy there. So um, those are the two names that jump out the most to me in Cleveland. All right, let's move on to New York as the Jets come off that atrocious performance in Kansas City. Ryan Fitzpatrick with the six, six, six interceptions in one game. It's Almost hard to fathom that someone could do that, uh, especially someone as smart as as Fitzpatrick. I guess uh, I guess they don't teach not interception throwing at Harvard. Har 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 har. Um, but you always have to make the Harvard joke with uh, with Fitzy. But uh, I don't think uh, six interceptions will be a thing every week. But this is a terrible, terrible matchup for that Jets offense. Since Seattle has played defense about as well as anyone in the league so far this season. Um, they've been a slightly worse against the run than the pass, but either way, I, I want nothing to do with this Jets offense this week. I understand you're probably not getting away from Forte or Marshall, for that matter, if you own them. Uh, but if you have reasonable alternatives, this is probably the week to do it. On the flip side there, Seattle heading east, obviously not necessarily the best thing for most teams uh, playing a 1 o'clock game, but uh, Russell Wilson's really the issue here, obviously a little bit gimpy with the knee injury is going to play, um, but uh, but I wouldn't expect to see the Russell Wilson we know and love. Uh, I don't think he's going to be running around much or being able to avoid pass rushers in the same way as he normally does, which could hurt the offense's potential, especially with a really, really atrocious offensive line that they have out there. Christine Michael, I think, look, if you own him, you're probably playing him. Uh, the Jets are not a bad defense against the run and do have one of the best D-lines in football, but I think Michael will be okay to a point. I think the volume will be there. And again, I, I think they're going to have to lean on him a bit with Russell kind of hurting. Um, but uh, as I don't think Russell's not going to be able to do anything. I don't think they would put him out there if he's you know completely unable to make any plays. So uh, Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham, if healthy, are both decent plays. But again, uh, this game does not have a ton of fantasy upside with both defenses being so solid. All right, let's move on to New England as Buffalo in town, and, and it found out today, a report out, it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out there, obviously. Uh, the last week this team has to play without Tom Brady, uh, even a, a less than 100% Garoppolo is probably better for the rest of the offense's fantasy prospects uh, than Jacoby Brissett or, or, of course, Julian Edelman in there. Uh, so I feel all right with my Patriots this week. I think it's going to take another uh, week for Gronk to get going. Maybe he gets a red zone target or two, but it certainly seems like, especially with the way they've started, they are really easing Gronk back in. And and once Brady comes back, I would expect Gronk to be ready to go. But 
this week, as far as the Pats go, LeGarrette Blunt is really the only guy I feel safe starting, but I'm sure a Martellus Bennett or Chris Hogan or someone is going to come through with something, uh, or even Edelman. Uh, But I I would only feel safe starting Blunt. On the other, other side of the ball, the news came out as well that Sammy Watkins has been placed on IR. He'll be out until week 12. That's a bummer because uh, I thought this was the year that Sammy was finally going to stay healthy and be awesome. And uh, that was not the case. So uh, too bad for us Sammy Watkins owners. Robert Woods, probably the receiver who will benefit the most from Watkins being gone. But, you know, you really just have to to downgrade this passing game. It's a different thing without Watkins, without the threat that he presents, both from a downfield perspective and also just as by far the best receiver on that team. So I'm down on Tyrod. I'm down on that whole offense, really, though I do think LaShawn McCoy will still continue to to be productive. Uh, losing Watkins, a big blow for that offense. And and I don't really love anybody except for Shady. You probably can't get away from this week against New England. All right, let's move down to Atlanta. As, uh, the Falcons have been pretty good so far this season. Uh, granted, they've not played a, a murderer's row or anything, but taking on the Panthers in... in I don't want to say a must-win game for the Panthers, but sitting at one and two off the Super Bowl season, I'm guessing they don't want to sit there at one and three. So I would feel pretty good about my Panthers this week. Atlanta, as we saw on Monday night, is an atrocious defensive ball club, both against the run and the pass, but especially against the pass. So I would feel really good rolling out Cam Newton, Greg Olson this week. Uh, Calvin Benjamin has to go up against Desmond Trufant, who is easily the best defensive player I believe on the Falcons certainly the best secondary guy they have Um, so that could slow him down a bit but Benjamin obviously big strong and fast a lot bigger than Trufant is so I I would think he gets his but certainly the Cam Olsen combo should be effective this week and uh, if I had to play a running back I would probably play Cameron Cameron Artis Payne of the running backs in Carolina, though I don't expect a huge week from him. Uh, a nice under-the-radar play this week. Flipping over to the Atlanta side of the ball, does Matt Ryan continue to be awesome? I, I, I say no. I mean, look, we've we've seen Matt have flashes like this before, and he always reverts back to that, you know, unplayable fantasy quarterback for us. And uh, he's obviously been great so far, but if I had to bet, I would bet this is the week he comes back to earth some Carolina's defense has not been as good as last year, but is still a talented, talented group. So uh, I would, uh, obviously, I think you're rolling out Julio no matter what. And that running back timeshare, Devontae and and Tevin Coleman, you don't really know which way it's going to go. But I think both are solid plays this week. Um, As Carolina's not been great against the run, but uh, I certainly would not feel psyched about Atlanta's offensive prospects this week, though. I do think they'll be okay there. All right, let's move on. Baltimore, Oakland in town, the 3-0 Ravens. Uh, Not a lot of fantasy goodness on that side of the ball, obviously. Flacco, though, a decent matchup this week as Oakland has been atrocious so far against the pass this season, though they did look better last week. Um, But I I think you have to feel pretty confident with Flacco this week, especially in a DFS format or something. Um, But again, you know, no one to get too excited about, especially with his... You know, receiving options and the running backs, there, there's not a lot of offensive firepower there, which makes it hard to really get on board with anyone from an offensive fantasy perspective. Uh, but having said that, I do think Flacco and potentially Mike Wallace could hook up this week, and it's certainly, if you have those guys on your roster, this is about as good a week as any to play them. On the flip side, uh, obviously, you know, you're starting Amari Cooper, you're probably starting Derek Carr, but... Uh, This Ravens D has been all right so far, especially that front seven. So uh, I'm not excited about the Oakland running game. 
And uh, while I do think Crabtree and Cooper and Carr are going to get theirs, I don't see this as a, a shootout or a high-scoring game. So, I, you know, I wouldn't be crazy bullish about them and, and maybe avoid them in DFS, but obviously you're not sitting Amari Cooper or someone like that if you own him. All right, let's move on to Chi-Town as we've got our last of the 1 o'clock starts. Detroit in town. Uh, this has fantasy points written all over it as we've got two Awful defenses squaring off here. Uh, I feel really good about the Lions' opportunities against this Bears defense. Stafford has been terrific so far, and and I would expect that to continue. Marvin Jones, there was a little bit of a hamstring issue this week. Practiced fully on Friday. Good to go. Um, so, so I think Detroit's going to put up points. I, I like everyone in that offense that you would normally start. Um, obviously, I think Riddick is, is more of a PPR play, and, and I do think that Golden Tate gets it going a little bit here as well, uh, though I obviously am I'm far more excited about Jones you know, on that roster moving forward. Flipping over to the Chicago side of the ball, Brian Hoyer, uh, a nice little DFS play because of how cheap he is. I think there's going to be some volume there. Alshon Jeffrey, questionable. He looks like he's going to go, but pay attention to the injury reports there. Uh, obviously, if he's out, that has to downgrade Hoyer's value as well. Um, and, of course, if Hoyer's in, Zach Miller looked really good with the two touchdowns last week and, and is a nice under-the-radar tight end option in both DFS and season-long. Uh, and, of course, at running back with Langford out, Jordan Howard uh, should have the opportunity to take on the full bulk of the work. I don't think we've seen enough from Howard. He's looked pretty good in the, the opportunities and spots we've seen him, but still a lot of question marks there. I, great DFS play because he's so cheap, but... Um, and the volume will be there, but I don't know if Jordan Howard is going to take over and run with it, as it were. Um, so I feel like we'll know a lot more after this week. All right, let's get on to those 4 o'clock starts. Tampa Bay hosting Denver. This has another game that, that uh, you know, I would be nervous about starting my bucks in, obviously, against this Broncos D. Denver especially potent defensively against the pass, which is what Tampa Bay does. So uh, I think you start Mike Evans, obviously, if you own him, but... Outside of that, I, I'm nervous about the Bucks. Charles Sims probably worth a start as well, just based on volume. And the fact that if you are going to attack Denver so far this season, the running game has been the way to do it. Um, but, I, again, I, I am very nervous about Tampa's offensive prospects in this game. And on the other side of the ball, though, you, you got to like Denver's offense a little bit. Uh, not a huge C.J. Anderson fan this week, though I love Anderson moving forward. Tampa has been pretty good against the run, uh, but – Awful against the pass, and you have to like Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and even Trevor Simeon in, in DFS. And, and if you do own him in season long, this looks like another week for that passing game to get going after that monster game last week, uh, as Tampa has been just awful against the pass. I believe they've allowed, allowed something like an average of 280 yards and two-plus touchdowns per game to quarterback so far this season. So uh, a lot of opportunity there for that passing offense. Let's move on to Arizona. The Rams in town. Uh, you're not starting anyone on the Rams other than Todd Gurley <laughs> this week, in my mind. Um, I know Tavon Austin's got a lot of volume so far, but I feel like this Cardinals secondary and team in general is going to bounce back this week after another poor performance last week. So I'm, I'm away. I'm staying off of the Rams this week. Again, I start Gurley if I have him. Arizona side of the ball, I like the passing game a lot. I like Fitz. I like Floyd. He's going to be out there. John Brown. Uh, Carson Palmer scares me, but this just feels like a game where Arizona's going to get back on track. 
And of course, David Johnson, a, a great play every single week. You can never go wrong starting David Johnson. All right, let's move on to uh, potentially the highest scoring game of the week, at least in my mind, in San Diego, New Orleans in town. Uh, we saw that New Orleans has the worst defense in football. I think we can say that pretty safely after that Monday night abomination, uh, especially against the run game. I don't know if anyone on New Orleans can tackle, literally like make a tackle. Uh, Melvin Gordon, love, love, love him this week, even in DFS for a little bit higher price tag. Uh, I, I think they run all over the Saints. And, and I also like the passing game. Rivers, Benjamin, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Henry, who will be in for Antonio Gates. I am a fan of all those guys this week. I'm all in on the Chargers. A little less bullish on the Saints uh, out on the road, on grass. Obviously, Breeze's history not as good there, but I certainly wouldn't be shy about starting my Saints against the Chargers either, even in San Diego. So uh, this is a game that has a lot of fantasy goodness written all over it. And uh, uh, one guy to watch on New Orleans, it'll be interesting to see if Kobe Fleener keeps up his his nice uh, week from last week and starts to build on that. Uh, and hopefully is not a disappointment for all of those who drafted him early. All right, San Francisco hosting the Cowboys in the last of the 425 starts. Another game without a ton of fantasy excitement here, but, um, uh, you know, Dak Prescott, a decent play in DFS. With Des Bryant out, I think Cole Beasley's a really nice play in DFS. Insanely cheap. Uh, target leader is going to get volume there. Uh, nice play even in season long. I, I think Beasley gets an opportunity. The uh, Niners have been unbelievably bad against the slot receiver from other teams so far this season, and Jimmy Ward is out as well. Um, so it's Cole Beasley's a really, really nice play this week. Uh, and also Zeke. I think Zeke runs all over a, a bad Niners run defense. Uh, on the flip side, Carlos Hyde is, is really the only guy you play from San Francisco, and if you do own him or in DFS, I like him this week against Dallas. Uh, bad defense, nice opportunity, but again, uh, ugly game start to finish here is my guess from an offensive perspective. Uh, Sunday night, Pittsburgh hosting the Chiefs, hoping to get back on track after the Eagles beat the shit out of them. Sorry, I had to do that. 34-3. Um, but uh, the Steelers, I think they get back on track. I know Kansas City had the six picks last week, but that was Ryan Fitzpatrick, and this is Big Ben Roethlisberger, so I don't see that happening this week. I think they get back on track. Levy and Bell uh, back on the field. Great play in DFS. Obviously, you're playing him in season long. I think Bell goes nuts. Uh, I think he comes back strong. Kansas City's been bad against the run so far this season. I'm all in on Levy in this week and all in on Brown and Ben and, and that entire offense. Not the best matchup against the Chiefs, but I think coming off that 34-3 to drubbing, I think they turn it around this week. As far as Kansas City goes, it looks like Jamal Charles will finally make his debut. I wouldn't expect more than you know 5-10 snaps. I think they're just going to get him back out there and see how he looks. Spencer Ware, if you're going to start a Chiefs running back, is the guy to start this week. But Pittsburgh has been, for the most part, terrific against the run for a while. Um, so I'm avoiding Casey backs. I do think they have a chance to, to make some headway in the passing game, though, uh, with Alex Smith, Macklin, Travis Kelsey all being solid plays this week, especially Macklin and Kelsey. Feel pretty good about those guys getting on the board. And then we round it out with the Monday Nighter in Minnesota's uh, Sammy B, the undefeated Sam Bradford. Uh, hosting the Giants. Not a ton of fantasy goodness in this game, as well as uh, obviously the Vikings, I believe, have one of the best defenses in the league. And the Giants improved on that end, and, and Minnesota not necessarily a high-powered offense. I, I think Diggs and Rudolph are both solid starts this week. Uh, on the Giants' side of the ball, you're never sitting OBJ, but 
Outside of that, I really I want nothing to do with going up against this Vikings defense. This is nothing nothing to do with the Giants themselves. It would be any team. We saw Carolina. I mean, Cam Newton had three picks against them last week. So um, I would sit my Giants this week outside OBJ, though. Uh, moving forward, I do like Orleans Darkwa as a, uh, a sneaky kind of running back play for New York. As with Vereen out, it looks like he's going to have a bigger role in this offense. All right, it's that time. Let's bring him in as I got to speak to him just a little bit earlier this week. Let's welcome Mr. Sigmund Bloom. And as always, it is my pleasure to welcome in our weekly guest. You can follow him at Twitter, on Twitter, at Sigmund Bloom, and you can see him over at footballguys.com where he is the co-owner. As I said, Mr. Sigmund Bloom, what's going on, brother? Doing well, just the wonderful way we experience time during football season, look, looking back just for a few days before we start to look forward. And as a Steelers fan, uh, I don't want to look back, but I have a feeling I'm going to have to crane my neck and look back because I'm an enemy. Well, I have to say hey, I was an Eagles fan in the 80s when Chuck Knoll's Steelers were bad. So yeah. we're, we're, we're relatives. Yeah, no, look, I, I think there's only a real – hatred there for that you know random time they play each other but uh you know it, it was fun this year obviously for us uh but uh, let's start there I was gonna wait till the end but, but we may as well go there I mean just looking at that game obviously the Steelers I think we don't have to worry too much about that offense I, I think that the Eagles D is obviously very good and, and they weren't maybe ready for it and Le'Veon's coming back but from the Eagles' perspective, you know, how do you look at Carson Wentz and, and as a result, the rest of this offense moving forward? Yeah, this is really fantastic. And uh, before we started recording, I you know, started to wax poetic about this. Yeah, that just the, 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 the Eagles, and I mean, love, much love when I say this, that the most neurotic fan base and tortured fan base in the NFL easily is the Philadelphia Eagles. And no team has exceeded expectations more than the Eagles. And no team really can – a team can't exceed expectations through three weeks more than the Eagles have this year. And this also isn't just about 2016. And, the, and there's – I haven't introduced this to your listeners yet, although listeners – if you have listeners that know me from my other work, my name is a verb, blo- blooming, to bloom. Uh, to bloom is to declare some sort of success or victory prematurely and cause – a, a spiral off into oblivion. Like when I would watch my friends bowl and they would have a ball going right for the pocket and I'd say, oh, that's a strike and they'd you know, leave a 7-10 split. Yeah, they wouldn't let course. me watch them bowl anymore. So I don't want to do this to the Eagles, all right, just as an aside. But it's beautiful uh, because this is a long-term thing, Carson Wentz. He's changed the personality of the franchise. They're unrecognizable uh, from the Chip Kelly Eagles. What an amazing job pressing reset. He, th- almost like it's destiny. And it really does feel like destiny when you see that the actions of teams more than one team the rams the titans the browns who could have taken carson wentz but going back to the first game of the season setting the scene for this uh from a fantasy standpoint carson wentz is going to continue to be someone we look at in matchups uh with his ability to just execute these game plans so wonderfully it brings up the value of jordan matthews zach Ertz when he's back the only real problem here is with the four-way backfield. I guess you have to look at Wendell Smallwood as trending up with the way the team is praising him, but it's a four-way backfield. So even though this offense is a lot better 
than we expected. Ryan Matthews, if you drafted him, you're really disappointed. He's already getting a little banged up, and his role is going to be minimal. But going forward, the only question I really have, and this goes back to on the Pittsburgh side of this, three weeks in, we kind of feel like we know teams where, where the good and bad defenses are. But Philadelphia's only faced Cleveland, Chicago, and Pittsburgh, and these are all bottom half of the NFL defenses. That being said, looking ahead, you have Minnesota, you have the Giants, you have Seattle, you know, maybe arguably Cincinnati. Not a lot of great defenses on the Philly schedule, so everything is looking up. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, beat up on Washington, um, did all right against Cincinnati in a monsoon, but they faced a tough defense, and Ben Roethlisberger looked feeble. So I'm a little more worried about the Steelers' offense long-term than I was before that game. Ah, that's interesting. I, I am not quite as worried, but I can see where it's coming from. I, I just think that Eagles' D-line is as good as they look, but uh, I, I think it kind of nailed the whole thing well. We certainly have our neuroses here. I, I think a lot of people are even struggling to uh, admit that this is real despite the evidence on the field, uh, even now. Um, but also, I think Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit, too. He has really been creative and uh, you know, put his players in the best positions, uh, both offensively and defensively, but especially with his play calling. Um, so totally agree there, and uh, it's certainly fun to watch, and uh, even at your sealer's expense. Um, but I, I do agree. I think ultimately it's going to be a sum greater than the parts type of thing for the Eagles. All right, let's jump into some of the greater, uh, bigger issues going on in fantasy other than our own personal uh, teams and neuroses, as you said. Uh, let's look at a, qu a quick uh, few of the running back situations that have kind of shifted over the past week. Uh, start with Jordan Howard. Looks like he's going to be the guy in Chicago. How much faith do you have in him moving forward? He could be marginally more effective than Jeremy Langford and make it so that when Langford comes back, Langford's a lesser back. But this is still Chicago. They're still going to lose most games. They haven't been giving Langford good game scripts. So Howard's upside is capped. Uh, I think that if you need help, you might prefer him to someone like Kenneth Dixon, who's a stash. We want to see in a week or two what he can do in Baltimore, but he's not going to be a season changer. So I wouldn't use like a number one waiver priority on him. Yeah, that's kind of where I feel as well. I'm not like super bullish on him uh, because he hasn't really shown me a ton as well. And, and I'm not super excited about that offense, but uh, I'll talk about a guy who I am bullish on in terms of rest of season value. And that's Christine Michael. Obviously it looks like Roll's going to be out for a little while looking down the road and also, you know, gauging in what you expect performance wise. Do you think that C Mike, as they're calling him, is the uh, is the guy for the rest of the season? There? The awakening. No, he is. And this has been a story of if your fantasy football geeks. You know, we have been waiting for Kristen Michael the whole time. You know, this was a running back at Texas A&M where you saw it insanely high ceiling, not just physically, but that he runs hot, jittery almost was so much energy but and then when seattle this was a player with injuries at texas a&m some problems with his coaches he wasn't expected to be a second round pick so when seattle took him in the second round that told us that they saw him as a first round level talent and a successor to marshawn lynch so we put two and two together because seattle and their defense is so excellent at creating great game scripts and they're Offensive line is always a mess to begin the season and excellent by the end of the season. So we're not really worried about that. But year after year, Michael would stub his toe, uh, not gain the trust of the coaches. It really took that career near-death experience, hence the awakening, and everybody reporting that he was a different player this offseason as far as his dedication, his focus on the game, and them trusting him. Now that he's gotten this opportunity, I think he doesn't look back. Thomas Rawls is a fine running back. 
physically he can't compare to Kristen Michael. And Kristen Michael has been doing this, outperforming Rawls already. Rawls is going to get Wally pipped here. And he's out for another three, four, five weeks. And Kristen Michael is a player where you drafted him in the 10th round or later, maybe picked him up off of the waiver wire. People might not know what they have. I have him as a top six, eight running back going forward, a running back one, someone we would spend second or third round pick on if we were drafting today. So if somebody doesn't know what they have, make trade offers this week. I think he'll be fine against the Jets. I think he'll be fine for the rest of the year because we've seen consistently this Seattle team sets up their running backs for success. 100 million percent agree. I, I own C-Mike on four of my season-long teams, and, and I only have six, which is too many. I don't even want to do that many, but sometimes you get roped in. But I, I do own him on four of my teams. I really liked him coming into the season, and obviously I don't know how you couldn't like him even more now. Um, and obviously they put their, as you said, always put their running backs in situations for success. And there's a reason he was a second-round pick, and Rawls was, what, a fifth-round pick. So talent-wise, it's always been there as well. Um, all right, moving on uh, to the New York Giants situation here. Shane Vereen lost for the season. Obviously, it's a bummer, uh, as he was kind of looking like he was going to be the, the main guy more than, than ever before in his career. Um, but Orleans Darkwall looks like he's going to be the guy who's uh, the biggest beneficiary, and obviously Rashad Jennings dealing with an injury as well, but not done for the season like Vereen. How do you kind of see this situation playing out as the season rolls along? I'm not sure we're going to find a lot in this backfield. I'll add Bobby Rainey to the mix too. I mean, he's the one best suited at least to play that receiver out of the backfield role that Shane Vereen played pretty well. But I think this is going to remain a pass-happy offense, mainly going through Beckham, and Sterling Shepard, who looks better every week, could have easily had two touchdowns last week in that game. And Victor Cruz, I know that the Giants had success running the ball last week. I think that's more about Washington being a team that's going to give up a lot to the run every week. And you're going to see maybe Paul Perkins in the mix here. Uh, so you may see still, I would agree with Jennings not being able to hold down this job, whether because of health or just a decline in his game at this point. Uh, but I don't think this is going to be a place where we have a consistent fantasy play week to week. All right, two quick wide receivers I want to ask you about moving forward. How do you evaluate, and I want you to take this week and then after Josh Gordon returns, but how do you evaluate Terrell Pryor with the whole slash thing he's got going? Yeah, this is a nice, rare situation that you can take advantage of in fantasy leagues because he is the number one receiver in a good matchup against Washington. He should get chances to run the ball as a quarterback and pass the ball as a quarterback enough to pad his floor. Uh, and again, we haven't seen Washington's defense do much to slow down their opponents so far this year. And even whenever Josh Gordon comes back, uh, this is something where defenses are going to be more concerned with Gordon than prior. Uh, you may see this as a, a look that you Jackson, who's an aggressive minded coach keeps for the rest of the season, giving prior six, seven, eight snaps a week at quarterback to cross up defenses uh, also make them have to prepare for that every week, take up precious preparation time. And then at some point, Josh McCown comes back. Looks like now maybe in the next two to four weeks he could be back. So all these things point to this offense maybe still being fun. We saw the pieces there for this to be, even though it was going to be a losing team, a fun fantasy offense because if they're playing from behind, they have a decent offensive line. Uh, it didn't work out with RG3, but McCown is a serviceable quarterback. So I think Terrell Pryor is someone you hold on to. And at this point, you know, if we were talking about a receiver, James, in his third year's development as a receiver, who was 6'4", 230, and can run a 4-4, and just had his breakout game. Forget, you know, if, if this was a first or second round pick, which Terrell Pryor has those physical qualities, then we would be anointing him right now. 
You know, we didn't know anything about Terrell Pryor's background as a quarterback, and we just watched him play. We'd say, that guy looks like he's he's only, what, I think 25 or 26? Yeah, yeah I believe so. So we should stop putting artificial caps on the expectations of how good he can be as a receiver because he's not that different from a Julio Jones or an A.J. Green. It's just skills, and those skills are coming online really fast. It's a great point, and obviously with Gordon coming back, that's going to be freakish, but uh, I I agree. I love Pryor, and I love the opportunity to pick up those kind of extra points with the running and the you know potential for passes, a touchdown pass, whatever, that just kind of – you know, boost that value of just that extra little bit when, like you said, he's already a legitimate receiver. Uh, And I also really like that Hugh Jackson did this because I think it helped kind of settle Cody Kessler in a little bit. I know that, you know, most quarterbacks don't want to go in and out, but I think for a kid that raw, I think this was a a smart decision. All right, the other, uh, let's flip to the other side of that game, actually. And and I didn't even think about this when I was preparing, but this is a guy who uh, obviously prior uh, for different reasons, but this is a guy who has... Uh, been one of the more kind of difficult for me to to assess on the long term sca- you know scale here uh, in Jamison Crowder who's been really good and seems to have a real connection with Kirk Cousins but you know obviously is not your typical you know number one receiver uh, h- how do you see his value shaking out obviously a good matchup this week but more so over the course of the season it's really funny because last year when I watched uh, before the draft when I watched Crowder and Tyler Lockett. I thought these guys look pretty similar to me and they went roughly in the same part of the draft Lockett tested out a lot better from a combine physical standpoint. But um, Lockett of course was the darling coming into this year. And I liked Lockett coming into this year too, but Crowder's the one with staying power now. And you mentioned the chemistry with Kirk Cousins, who's more of a safe managed quarterback. I think Andy Dalton, you know, he was also a Jay Gruden quarterback. That means the, that safe, efficient choice is often going to be the slot receiver getting open underneath. But Crowder's been getting open downfield. There was a play when he was wide open on what should have been a 40-yard touchdown that Cousins missed him. So he's adding elements to his game, downfield elements. And Josh Doxson now, their first-round pick, his Achilles has flared up. There's concern there. That's more snaps for Crowder, more red zone opportunities for Crowder. Uh, I think that he, we again, this is a player that was a fourth-round pick, not a lot of gaudy numbers from an athletics testing standpoint, but a prototype for that water bug slot receiver who gets open and gives a quarterback easy pickings, like Wes Welker, you know, easy five, six, eight, ten-yard gains, uh, can do things after the catch. This team can't really run the ball consistently. Their defense is bad. They're going to get into high-scoring games. I think he's going to remain somebody, let's say Jarvis Landry light, you know, not necessarily catching seven, eight, nine balls a game like Landry, maybe more like four, five, six, but still consistent enough and with that downfield element and red zone element to give you weekly upside. Yeah, and I think he works really well with Cousins from a, just a skills perspective as well for the men, reasons you mentioned, the fact that Cousins doesn't necessarily have a, a cannon of an arm as far as quarterbacks go. So having that you know option to always have that guy slithering open uh, for Dinkin and Duncan I, I think works well for that offense. All right, it's the time that we all uh, wait for every week. And this week I'm going to have a little fun with the inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom. I'm going to give you... 10 either ors, and you can just give me quick answers if you feel the need to elaborate, go for it. But uh, 10 either ors just to get to a little deeper into the psyche. All right, number one, Batman or Superman? Um, I, I'm going to totally break the rules here. You know, I'll say underdog. <laughs> 
If it wouldn't be Sigmund Bloom if you weren't breaking the rules immediately in the either or. I love it. You're, you can't be confined by two choices. That's the beauty. I'll go Batman because he's a real human being, at least theoretically. All right, Coke or Pepsi? A Coke. Easy, right? It's not even close in my I, – I can't stand – Is when, Pepsi okay? Uh, and by the way, Pepsi, if you would like for me to have a sponsorship, I would love to be a Pepsi. Uh, no, Coke. me too, but I don't even think it's close. <laughs> I have no relations with either. Uh, Coke is so much better. Agreed. All right, Beatles or Stones? Beatles, um, but uh, it's not like I, I didn't have like a lo- automatic loyalty to one or the other. You know, it's I'm pro- again I probably say like Pink Floyd. You know, sure. No, and I I would go Beatles, but uh, I also think the Stones are are criminally underrated uh, in that comparison, and and also a, a Pink Floyd fan as well. All right, chocolate or vanilla? I agree. I'm I'm a plain Jane when it comes to that. I agree. And I, I like to have fun with other stuff, but for some reason, I'm not a huge fan of at least chocolate ice cream for sure. All right, tea or coffee? Oh, coffee. Uh, I mean, that's... Obvious, right? Coffee keeps the world going. Yeah, I feel like I don't know if I can trust someone if they say tea in that uh, question there. All right, ketchup or mustard? Ketchup and Heinz only. There's only one ketchup. Yes. Nothing else, unless it's. And I'm from Pittsburgh, so I'm I'm legally obligated to say this. But if it is not Heinz ketchup, it's not ketchup. Yeah. I, no, I'm with you. I don't, none of the other ketchup tastes the same. I totally agree. And I too would go ketchup over mustard, though. Uh, from the experiences I've had discussing this stuff on our other podcast, that's not going to be a very popular opinion with the fan base. But you know what? We're, we're our own individuals, aren't we, Sigmund? All right, uh, <laughs> wine or beer? Beer. Agreed. That was an easy one for me. All right, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Uh, I mean, and th- this is one that's just like my age, you know? I mean, being born in 1975, it, it was hi- highly, highly influential. But I think both of them are very very meritorious for introducing people to ideas that they might not otherwise encounter. Uh, I think Star Wars was responsible for our generation really em- embracing Eastern thought and Eastern ideas. That's a great point, and, and people don't really think about a lot of that type of stuff, and, and that is certainly the first time emeritus has been used on, uh, on any of our podcasts, which I love so much. Um, all right, uh, I think I know the answer to this one, but call or text? call and you know i would back when i was in a workplace it'd even be like go actually see the see somebody in person you know it doesn't work anymore does it i'm old-fashioned i guess all right i saved the best for last i know this uh will probably be the toughest because i'm guessing you're a fan of both but fiction or non-fiction no uh, so i'll say documentary films but uh i i would say from a, a stamp from you know, fiction when it comes to novels, like the great novels. So it's it's hard to say. I mean, I no, still. No, I the like best... that answer. I think that's very fair. Different mediums sometimes require different answers. I love it. Oh, that was fun. I, I enjoyed the either or. Maybe we'll bring that. I like back. this a lot better. Can we just do this. Every yeah, week it's good, of, right? It's good. All right, I'll, I'll have ten for you next week. Oh, I love that. Let's flip it around. That is terrific. All right, so everyone. Come back for that uh, segment. Obviously, uh, everyone can check out footballguys.com, as you say every week. What's going on at the Audible? Any uh, special stuff? Just the uh, rant, uh, not rant, the normal eight episodes a week like maniacs? And it is random. You know, we have a saying on the Audible. <laughs> I didn't even mean it, it though. That was, the show, the show, it worked no, it, well. 
one of our themes on Audible is it's only weird if you make it weird. Uh, you know, sometimes we can digress uh, on the show, but you know, we just do. We're always there. You know, we recap the games on Sunday night. They're usually up by Monday morning. We have a waiver wire show, an IDP show. We have I do on the couch with one guest where we just go in depth for an hour. We have a Thursday night live hangout, a Sunday morning live hangout. Uh, we preview the games for the upcoming week. We just really enjoy it. Uh, we enjoy everything that passes through our slants through our brains in an NFL season and, and sharing the journey, you know, whether our fantasy teams are floundering or not, the, the journey is always fantastic. I love that. I totally agree. And, and it's a great listen for anyone who hasn't checked it out. It's certainly worth your time. And I can tell you from experience doing that much, putting out that much content is, uh, is it's fun, but it's not necessarily easy. It's a lot of work too. So, uh, fun work, but work. So uh, uh, a lot of props for that. So again, follow him on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. Sigmund, we'll talk to you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks. Awesome stuff as always from Sigmund. Really appreciate it. We will be back next week. Before I get out of here, I've got two quick Twitter Twitter questions to answer. I meant to to get him in with Sigmund, but we ran out of time. But uh, Nick Massey, uh, hard you like me. Piz on Twitter at it's uh, a lot of letters, but let's go with Nick Massey as on Twitter. Uh, hey, quick fantasy question. I have DJX over Amari Cooper. Is that a good plan this week? Also, Crowell versus Jordan Howard. Uh, well, I'll take the second one first. While I like Howard against that Detroit defense, I'm going to roll with Crowell between the two. Crowell, again, is been the guy there and has gotten a lot of opportunity and Washington's run defense is bad. So I, I like Crowell between those two. The first question is tougher. You immediately think it's Cooper, obviously, but a great matchup against that Cleveland secondary for Deshaun, and Deshaun is healthy. Even still, I personally would go with Amari Cooper. I just feel safer, more consistent. Jimmy Smith has been good for Baltimore, but uh, certainly not unbeatable, and I think Cooper does beat him a fair amount. So I'm going to lean Cooper there, but if you want to go DJX, it's not crazy, and I'm a big believer in trusting your gut. So... You know, in that case, if you feel like trusting your gut, I would do it. All right. And then uh, uh, Nick asks, it's at Nick D-E-V-I-R, so at Nick Dever on Twitter, asks, uh, Cook for uh, trade question, Brandon Cooks for Isaiah Crowell and Andrew Luck. Um, he has Antonio Brown and Marvin Jones already. And uh, uh, t- honestly, I, I think this is a close one. I kind of, my initial instinct was I, I like Cooks more than those two, but... When you look at your team and the needs that you have and the way that you can fill in, I actually think this makes some sense for you. It's a good time to buy luck. I think with the bye week coming up, he's going to get a little bit of a chance to rest, and uh, they're going to have to pass a ton all season. So I think luck ends up a top-five quarterback, and I'm a believer in Crowell. Two questions about Isaiah Crowell, I believe. Uh, I think he's going to be good. So as much as I love Cooks and I'm a big fan moving forward, in your specific case— I would probably make this trade. All right, again, that's going to do it for episode nine of This Week in Fantasy, as always. We'll be back next week with Sigmund Bloom and a whole lot more as we round out week four, four weeks into a 16-week season. It is a crazy thing. Uh, we are almost there, guys. <laughs> it's, it's too much. I uh, I don't want it to end, and uh, I'm already seeing the end of the season and thinking about all that off time. and. It's crazy how quick it goes, so uh, enjoy it while we have it. So again, I'm James Seltzer uh, for Sigmund Bloom. I'll be back next week. This has been Episode 9 of This Week in Fantasy. Of the 
Back to the block, Snoop Doggy Dog, Monkey at the, the, the dock. Went solo on that ass, but it's still the same. Long Beach is the spot where I serve my cane. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip. Nine trips ain't the years there for me to fuck up shit. So I ain't holding nothing back, and motherfucker, I got five on the 20 track. It's like that, and as a matter of fact, touch, touch, touch. Cause I never had